So do you spend a lot of time on the phone, Brad, or do you hate the phone? No, I hate the phone. I'm one of those people that is very grateful to be living in an era where I can order food online or through apps so that I don't have to talk to anybody. I will say that no contact is something that I feel should just be a part of life in general. I actually like less stress of, like you're saying, not having to call, not having to deal with people. I actually had a phobia when I was growing up of calling to order pizza delivery because I couldn't handle the pressure of talking to another person and giving my order, especially if I hadn't decided what I wanted yet. (laughs) Yeah, I sometimes, even to this day, if I have to call like a doctor or something, if I have to if I have to call someone because they don't let me do it online, I will sometimes write out what I want to say because otherwise I I get that phone anxiety and I just, I get, you know. Well, then I think that uh, phones as a horror subject is clearly merited and we'll, we'll see how it stacks up on the romance side. Shall we start? Let's do it. We are Necromancer. Necromancer. I'm Shira. I'm a rom-com fan. I'm Brett. I'm a horror movie fan. Together, each week, I pick a rom-com. Brett picks a horror movie. We make each other watch those movies. And then we flip-flop them around. We turn the romance into a horror. We turn the horror into a romance. We have a lot of fun with it. And this week, our theme is telephones. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. I can't believe that guy went over to a rival provider. I I find that to be such an interesting commercial storyline that has evolved over time. You can't believe the guy who had one famous gig sold out that company for another (laughs) high-paying famous gig? Like... All I'm saying is when is FX going to give me the, uh, wasn't he originally the Verizon guy? Yeah. When am I going to get the Verizon guy, true story, FX, directed by Ryan Murphy? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, telephones. So we agree that telephones are scary just from a social level. But they can also be kind of intimate. They can. Yes. <laughs> I've never been good at, I don't know, intimacy on phones. I just get too distracted and nervous. And uh, sometimes it's hard to. Have you had a lot or... of long distance relationships? No, I had one when I moved to Chicago. My girlfriend was in Rochester and we were like, eh, we'll make it work. And then pretty much right when I got to Chicago, we were like, eh, yeah, this isn't going to work, but eh. 
It's because of the phone. You see, phone romance is definitely a thing. And you have to get to that point where your relationship becomes a split screen. And even though you're in separate rooms, you're lying in bed together like Harry and Sally are taking a bath, like uh, Rock Hudson and Doris (laughs) Day and Pillow Talk. Oh, I nine times out of ten when Sonia calls me, I'm like, ugh. Why do you have to talk to me? Can't we just text? But oh man, texting? I could text She's all night. Wife. She's my wife, but you know what? She <laughs> calls me about she'll call me to tell me stuff on the way home that they'll just, she'll then repeat when she gets home. So she she she's totally different. She likes talking on the phone. She talks on the phone to her mom, grandmother, aunt, and brother every single day. I do not talk to my parents every day. I talk to them maybe once or twice a month, but we text all the time. So <laughs> I, I I don't call my family that often, but I do. Uh, I do call Doug, and I have called Doug while we are both in the house, and I'm simply <laughs> in another room. Like, yes, the call is coming from inside of the house, and it's me saying, "Come into the bedroom and cuddle me." <laughs> I'm yeah. cold. No, so for just... me, that that's a legitimate reason to use the phone. Although I, I could walk three feet and just ask him, but that, that would be way too much work. No, because if you shout to get someone's attention, that's like a aggre- shouting is inherently aggressive. So you're like, Hey, and then it's like, what do you want? Like, watch you come over here and cuddle me. Like, no, you come here and cuddle me. Like you're already starting out aggressive. But if I, on the phone, it's like, a that's surprise. the exact voice I use when I want a good cuddle. <laughs> cuddle me. Uh, yeah. So like a phone call is nice and it's a surprise. And then it's like, Ooh, come here. And it's playful. And yes, no, it it can, it can definitely be very, very playful. So phones, where should we start with these phones? I think that just like with some of the horror movies that we cover, there's no point in delaying 976 Evil. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is batshit crazy. Yeah, and it's directed by Freddy Krueger himself, Robert England. Yeah, which totally makes sense because there are some big old Freddy Krueger moments in this movie. Yeah, no, there's some de- there's some definite Krugering in this movie. Um, although I I feel like it it, it fails to, ne- I don't know if it works as well as a Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it's not it's not quite there. Um, and and we'll we'll definitely get into it, but um. But yeah, I, I I enjoyed some of the kookiness of this movie. I thought that that it was pretty funny. Um, so should we get into? Wait, before I get into the summary, tell me what drew you to choosing this movie over other phone horror movies? Oh yeah, well, so you picked the theme of phone. So for me, it was going to be kind of obvious, like when a stranger calls is your obvious go-to choice, but I had just picked a classic with rear window. So when Mm -hmm. I Googled phone horror movies, uh, this one popped up on a few articles and the name is intriguing. The fact that Robert Englund directed it 
caught my attention. And the fact that Brian Helgeland wrote it, co-wrote it, got my attention. And he did stuff like LA Confidential, Payback, uh, Man on Fire. So he's... Wait, is LA Confidential the Josh Hartnett, Harrison Ford movie? Or the movie where they're like, they cut them up to look like movie stars? Uh... I've only seen it once. I think it's the latter. The other one is, I know what you're talking about, but it's not that one. <laughs> uh, Brian Helgeland also wrote Nightmare on Elm Street for the Dream Master. So that kind of makes sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's got some good movies. He's got some maybe not as good movies. So I was like, oh, Brian Helgeland, hit or miss. Robert Englund, Freddy Krueger. Like, yeah, this movie's got enough going for it. It's got a silly name. Why not? I I think that's fair and and definitely it, it it checks a lot of boxes I think. Like I feel like this is kind of the horror version of leap year for me where it's like I know where I am. I know that we're in the horror genre and I know I want to have these things in the movie real bad. Um, uh, I can't remember exactly where in my notes I put it. But I put like a leap year, like, yeah, this is like the leap year of horror movies. Oh, man. See that? <laughs> we're we're already on the same wavelength. Also, the names in this movie are just completely <laughs> off the chain. Let, let's go ahead and start with uh, our protagonist, Spike, uh, which shouldn't be the name of a teen outside of Degrassi. Mm-hmm. Uh so Spike is a teenage bad boy who rides a motorcycle and lives with his dorky cousin Hoax and his crazy religious aunt. One night he calls a novelty phone number 976 Evil and receives his horror scope. Eh, eh, eh. And then the mess tell t- the message basically tells him to take what's his. And Spike takes this as an indication that he take he should take some money that's been stashed away in his aunt's kitchen. So he takes the money to go play some poker with the boys and later fish rain from the sky. And the aunt thinks that it's a miracle. Uh, but then, you know, Spike doesn't really stay that interested in 976 Evil because he gets this message to steal some gloves and he's just not into it. Uh, and the next day at school, Hoax is getting swirlies in the boys' restroom, which really should be considered just torture. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's insane that it's like, oh, nobody died from getting a swirly, but they make it look really brutal. Yeah. Toilet shampoo. I'd never heard that one before. Neither had I. I, you know, I feel like we make fun of anti-bullying seminars like they're such a joke, but I, I really do feel like we live in a much nicer world. People know how to hurt you in other ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, Spike gets the bullies to leave Hoax alone. Uh, and then at the same time, a PI, Marty, has gone to Spike and Hoax's house to investigate the fish incident, which for some reason in my notes, it was corrected to P-H-I-S-H. <laughs> um, and I'm not really a jam band person. Um, and he's posing as a man selling religious magazines. 
Spike also meets up with his girlfriend, Susie, after school. And Hoax basically acts like a parody of a complete nerd. He's like crashing his scooter into things. (laughs) He's talking about how he and Spike are going to go on this road trip this summer, but they could always use a couple of babes. I love babes on my road trips. (laughs) I know. I mean, really... It's not a road trip without some babes. Is is Hoax developmentally challenged? You know, what I wrote down uh, at first was this is like Hot Rod's cousin. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I mean... <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, he's definitely a grown man-child who... He's smart enough to basically rig a bank teller tube between his room and Spike's room so he can send him creepy stalker messages, um, but he's not smart around people. Right. Yeah, uh, they, they, they basically make him like a Goonies nerd kid, but then they have the to make him The Goonies are cooler than him. I don't Even like the Goonies. Goonies. I don't okay. like the Goonies. Even all of all of the Goonies combined are still cooler than Hoax. But he's like Goonies meets Hot Rod's brother, and he like he's basically ten years old in this thing. He wears like ten year old pajamas. Well, I think that's part of the abuse. Room. Like right. his mom is all Norma Bates, right. and she wants to keep him a child forever. So he has jammies, which I thought as a teenage boy in the <laughs> middle of high school just ugh. Uh, but oh, a nice, a, a nice touch though yeah. from the the props. Um, so, in in addition to all the weird stuff he did during the day, Hoax also spies on Spike and Susie having sex. Uh, and then when they go off to the movie theater, Hoax goes into Spike's room, takes Susie's underwear, and finds uh, the number for nine seven six evil. So he calls it, and he obeys the message to go to the theater and meet the girl of his dreams. Uh, there he runs into Susie just as she's leaving because she had a fight with Spike because he'd rather play poker with the boys <laughs> than go on a date with her. And when Susie gets angry, Susie gets hungry. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so she takes Hoax to get some pizza. Um, however, the bullies then show up. Also, the bullies are the same boys that uh, Spike goes to play poker with. Uh, and they shove pizza in Hoax's face. They expose that he had Susie's undies in his back pocket. Susie says that she thought he was different, but he's just like the rest of them. And Susie is like totally cool with the fact that he perved in on them, on on her and Spike fucking. Because they don't just fuck, they fuck. Yeah, it was a lot... It was a longer sex scene than it needed to be. Like, they were going at it for a while. Like, we really had to sit there and be in the room with them. But it also, it, it was that kind of sex scene where it's like, yeah, it looks good on on camera. And it when you're a teenager, you think that's what sex is supposed to be like. But then as an adult, you're like, oh, sex in that chair, in that position? Like, ah, that sounds like, that sounds awkward and painful i hope that this is the last well i mean if Susie had survived i would hope that this would be the last time in her life that she slept with a man who didn't have a bed frame i really god his i mean they're both teenagers so it's acceptable but 
but, but definitely yeah, not romantic. She's totally cool with the fact that he perved in on her. She's like, I think she was kind of, of freaked out, but she, I don't know. I'm it's sure like, that it's the '80s. She endures so much sexism every day. It's like one drop in the bucket, right? She acts like, oh, okay, that. But then when she 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 knows that he spied on her, but she takes him out to dinner anyway, and she's treating him like a nice guy, and they're getting along together. And then when she finds out that he's got her underwear, it is like it's a turn. She's like, no, man, I thought you were cooler than that. It's like, yeah. Hoax, don't be a pervert. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's her line in the sand, right? But right. if he subscribed to her OnlyFans, now that's a different <laughs> story now. <laughs> um, but uh, but Hoax is upset. He goes home. He calls 976 Evil again. And then he, he um, casts a curse on Susie who goes home to eat more food after the pizza. She wants to make a TV dinner. He's hangry. She's so hangry. Um, (laughs) But she, she goes in, she opens the foil out come the spiders. Susie is poisoned to death by spiders. I assume. And hoax kind of at the last. She's voodooed to death by the crushing of the spider. Oh, but Hoax kind of changes his mind at the last minute. However, it's too late. So when he goes by to check on Susie, she's already gone. Uh, And then he tells Spike what... He goes from Hot Rod to Colonel Kurtz, or is it Kurtzman, in in Apocalypse Now. He goes from Hot Rod to Apocalypse Now real quick. Well, that's what... What happens when the devil finds a home in your heart, Brett? It's the devil, Bobby. <laughs> Bobby Boucher. <laughs> but Hoax, he he tells Spike like right away and is like, oh, by the way, I killed your girlfriend. Yeah, I took care of her real good. <laughs> <laughs> but I think does it, Spike basically is like, no way. Um, right. Or, and... And Hoax is like, yeah, I'm going to be on top soon. I've got the demon powers. And Spike, of course, says, when hell freezes over. But he doesn't know that there's nothing that demons love more than irony and puns. Oh, yeah. And yeah, they have a total pissing contest in that locker room. It's just them trying to one-up each other. and <laughs> I, I don't think there was any contest. I think that Spike basically wins until you get that devil power-up. Right, well, uh, yeah, but that's what he's hinting at. Uh, uh, Hoax got a taste of that power, and he likes it. <laughs> he sure does. I mean, that's that's what happens when you get raised like Hoax did. I mean, he basically had the serial killer starter kit. Too oh, much yeah. structure, crazy abusive mom who infantilized him, bullied at school, voyeurism. It's just all he's throwing animals and we've got the classic triad um so meanwhile marty the pi is tracking the address of nine nine seven six evil he meets up with mark dark 
played by Robert Picardo, the owner of the phone line, except Mark Dark complained or c- claims that the line was deactivated years ago. Hmm. So Hoax basically starts to turn into a wisecracking demon and decides to murder all the bullies from school at the movie theater where they play poker and then returns home to kill the biggest bully of all, his mom. (laughs) And Marty also figures out that Hoax has used the phone line and he enlists the help of his high school guidance counselor, Angela Martinez. So Marty, Angela, and Spike converge on Hoax's house. When Angela goes in the house, she finds Hoax's mother being feasted on by cats. Uh, Hoax chases Angela and Marty out of the house. So they're in kind of a perilous situation, hanging on to the chute and the power line as a hell mouth has opened up in the backyard. And then Spike confronts Hoax and they fight. And because when hell freezes over is what Spike said, he gets into the house It has frozen over. Um, So they're fighting. Hell is opening up below them. Spike tries to appeal to Hoax's humanity by talking about the road trip and gets him back for just a second and then pushes him in the hole. So he does it. He, he, he gets him back enough just to say goodbye to his cousin. And it's a sweet, I think it's a sweet tender moment. Cause it's like, it's sad, but it's also really silly. And, and it's very like, silly. <laughs> it's very silly, but it's like, he doesn't just bring him back to say like, Hey, I'm, you know, fuck you. Ha ha ha. I tricked you. He brings him back to say goodbye. And, and uh, hoax is like, yeah, I done goofed. Done goofed real bad. <laughs> I wish that that was actually what he had said before right. he died. Uh, but Hoax goes to hell. Uh, and then we end on Mark Dark flipping through pictures. And we see a picture of Hoax in his album. And it basically reveals that Mark Dark is the devil and Hoax is another cell that he has banished to hell. The end. The end. That's it. 976 evil, baby. Oh, boy. So much. Yeah, this movie, this movie has a lot of like DNA. It's a it's a grandfather movie in the sense that maybe not a grandfather movie. I don't know what I'm saying, but there's a lot of movies that have DNA in this movie. And then this movie puts DNA in a lot of other movies. So there's a lot of slasher stuff, a lot of Italian horror stuff going on. This movie's very comic booky. It's very Sam Raimi. There's tonal shifts all over the place, but man, they make it work. I don't know if it really worked for me as much as it worked for you. I I do though in like I I enjoy the wisecracking. I I liked that as as a kind of thing and I I also liked the mother as a character. I felt like we could have done a lot more with her to where her comeuppance felt really earned in the way that you know when Carrie's mom gets crucified we're really you know we're ready for it to happen whereas i feel like his mom 
although she was weird and dressed him in pajamas and he kind of told her off and was like, don't bother me if you want to get killed. Um, I, I would have liked to see more scenes with her. And I felt like with the private investigator, Marty, it didn't really, the investigation felt so loose compared to what was going on um, with hoax and spike. And then also I feel like there's no real main character in this movie. Like it should be spike, right? Or it should be Marty, the investigator who's trying to figure out what's going on with these teens, or it should be hoax, but it's kind of none of them. It's definitely like, have you ever seen Pumpkinhead? No. With Lance Henriksen? That's a weird movie because it's not it's not really your typical movie in the same way that this isn't your typical movie, but it is like a fairy tale cautionary folklore type campfire movie. Um and I feel like that's what this is. This is like the cautionary this is the monkey's paw. This is the kind of movie that you would find in a Grimm's fairy tale, but Grimm's fairy tale didn't have phones back then. They had witches and, and woods and stuff. So I it, like, it's a very silly movie, but it, it, I, I think it goes all in on its premise. And I don't know, like in terms of the comeuppance part, I think, I think the, the, the tension doesn't come from whether or not the mom's going to bite it, right? Because we know she's going to bite it. But it comes from that fact of this movie does a great job of, of the horror kills. And some of the kills are extremely silly and you like them. And like, you know, can I join with a pair of hearts Ugh! and putting the guy in the neon sign? But then the very next kill, he kills that main bully and it's like really disgusting and gross and it's like terrifying because he's he's doing it slow and with a knife and he's like taking his time and torturing the kid in the stall and he like he does that cool thing where the tension isn't from like ooh he's in the last stall that it's cool because the guy's like getting more aggressive with each stall that he pushes open and then the camera pans over and they don't show that kill and this is a very hard R-rated movie, so the fact that they don't show the kill is like, this kill is so disturbing, we can't even show it. So even though they do show ultimate gore, they still shy away and make it taboo and bad. So They did show, I thought it was interesting, they panned over to another toilet and it flushed red. Right. I, how does that work with plumbing? I, it, it. It doesn't, <laughs> but that's like that's. So if that's I took a big enough poo, would it show? <laughs> that's actually. cinema. What a great cinematic touch to start on one stall, go to another, and then the hand that he tossed to the other stall, that thing starts to fill with blood. It's like I mean, we're talking about a movie about a guy who gets possessed by a demon through a nine seven six hotline number. Like this movie, <laughs> you know. This movie's very cinematic. I don't mind the fact that they just flood the things with colors. The the opening uh, thing is very matrixy, cinematic with all the phones taunting him and like the mystery of ooh the phone and then a phone booth and picking it up and oh I totally wrote down in my notes that this movie has real has a lot of fun with the opening credits. I right. I, I know you're not a fan of opening credits, but I eat it up. I ate it up in Rear Window. I ate it up here. I ate it up when we watched Pillow Talk. Yeah, but you uh, see, these are 
these are two these are the two kinds of good opening credits. One, the opening credits in 976 Evil don't even have to be there. It's just a prologue and they happen mm-hmm. to have opening credits. And two, the Pillow Talk opening credits is like a fun musical set piece. So it's like like it's getting you ready for the vibe. Right. Most opening credits are pretty boring, but these two opening credits are exactly how you should do it, which is either like you don't even pay attention to them or it sets up the movie. Mhm. Yeah. Interesting. So, what would you say your favorite kill was in the movie? Oh boy. Um I I don't know. That's a good question. I really liked the Angela kill to be honest. I really liked when he killed her because one, he's super into spiders, which I am also really Are you into. Susie? Uh, oh yeah, I'm sorry, Susie. When he kills Susie, it's great because I'm not really into spiders and bugs and stuff. So when he's talking about daddy long legs and like, well, technically they're not spiders. And I'm like, yeah, technically they aren't spiders. This weird, creepy kid is right. Uh, and well, they then, have tiny little mouths. They can't bite. Yeah. They're, they're supposed, the, the, the urban legend, right. Is that they're so poisonous that even though they're so tiny that they can kill a person with one bite. But the truth is that their fangs can't even puncture human skin because they're so tiny. But, um, yeah, so I like that he gets out the spider. And, again, he goes from zero to 60 so quick. And then, like, he's got full-on demonic symbols and and devil's root plant. And he's got this tarantula. And he's going to use voodoo and evil. And then the spider in Susie's dinner, it starts as just one spider that they tease. But then when she opens it up, it's, it's like so many spiders. hundreds of them. And then he like he, he questions himself. And the moment he, he kind of like turns back on it and he squishes the spider to put an end to it, it kills her at the same time. And it's like, holy shit, I didn't think that this movie would go there i thought that you know spike would be the good guy and save her and blah 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 like but the moment this movie goes to 60 it it then i mean it escalates and it goes to six thousand, then sixty thousand, and i think the movie ends on six million man like it's freaking i mean <laughs> oh, hell, hell opens, opens up, up. yeah <laughs> hell opens up and he's full on like this movie had a lot of anime moments for me which when we talked about what oh, anime... their whole Tatsuo Kaneda dynamic. Yeah, when we talked about what anime could do that live action couldn't, I think a lot of the tonal shifts in this movie would be much more acceptable in anime than they because in in real life in in live action it would be rendered less hokey in right. animation. It's hard to pull off some of the the silliness and campness of this. You know, like the characters have to take themselves seriously, but the actors can't take any of the material seriously. And I think they do a really good line of skirting that that line, you know? They they do a good job of it, I think. I, I'm down for the tonal shifts, because sometimes in movies it does not work at all. I mean, I feel like some of the actors are able to carry it better than others. Like, I feel like Spike is a piece of wood. Whereas the guy who plays Hoax was fully invested. Like he played up every dramatic moment pretty flawlessly. Like I I would say that 
for his part, which was the hardest part, you know, mm-hmm. he has to get possessed by demons. I thought he did a great job. Yeah. He turns into a uh, Alucard from Helsing at the end. He's just got like these jazzy sunglasses and this swagger. And he's like, you want to fight me? Go ahead. Fight me. I'm going to kick your ass. You know, like, right. He's so full of puns. You know, <laughs> I, I feel like there, there are so many horror tropes for me that I don't feel like are recognized by others. Like exorcism movies are always about reading the demon to death. And yeah. then another thing that I think is a trope with demons is they fucking love puns. I feel like he got at least five puns out of his mom being eaten by cats. Yeah. It's what the plastic's for, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. I did like that. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Spike is... It's a tough job. Uh, I think Spike is kind of, you know, he's that more, He's he's got a tough job to do for sure. I thought the PI, the PI could have been a little bit more grizzled and disheveled. Maybe if he had like a toothpick or something, just, you know, I, I agree. The movie doesn't go full on, like, it's not a, it's not a total masterpiece of a horror movie, but it's, Pretty All the under- elements a, are there. Yeah, it's a really great hidden gem. I would put it right up there with some of the best Nightmare on Elm Streets. The first one, the third one, and New Nightmare, I think, are some of the best ones. And this is like definitely middle to top tier Nightmare. Because there's some Nightmares that are pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, what, yeah. what would you say is the shark jumping moment in the bad Nightmare movies? Oh, I'm I'm not as much of a connoisseur of the of the Freddy Krueger series, so I couldn't give more you of a Jason boy. Uh, I'm more of a Michael Myers fan myself, <laughs> although that's that uh, Michael Myers has a lot of duds too. They all all the franchises are mostly comprised of duds. <laughs> are there any horror movie monsters that are no hitters that you know have a really high batting average? How do you mean? So meaning that that for their franchise, just a lot of the entries are great. No. No, I'd you don't to, think anybody has a close to perfect record? I I would have to think about it. I'm sure that there's someone out there who's great at killing people all the time. But um no, I mean like even Hellraiser. Me and you are huge right. fans of Hellraiser. He got ter- he got terminated. I don't but, think that yeah. <laughs> I don't think Pinhead really need I don't think he really needed that much of a face turn. Right. Yeah, so I, I think every franchise that's I never get mad at horror movies for going downhill. Like it's it's just part of the genre, you know? It's also part of rom coms too. <laughs> We we are in similar boats uh, yeah. as movie fans in that regard. Um, yeah, but like I said, by the end of the movie, the tension comes in from the fact of like when when the school counselor comes in. I didn't know. I honestly didn't know if she was a goner or not. But even if she was a goner, was she going to be chopped up and one linered in a silly, gleeful way, or was she going to be brutally monstered and demoned? And she almost gets raped. I was so worried she was going to get raped. I was so, so worried. They, I read on, I think it was IMDb. I read on IMDb that they filmed a rape scene, which totally makes sense, right? 
Because this script, the tones are all over the place. So it, if I was writing this script... they wanted to go way harder than they did. Right. I, if I was writing this script, it would totally make sense to write in a rape scene. Because there's tonal shifts all over the place. And some of the kills are silly. Some of them are serious. So it makes sense that a rape scene would, would come into play. Uh, I, I don't know. It, I'm kind of glad they pulled back on that. Well, I'm no, just... Yeah. Enough, enough with the rape. I think it's pretty ballsy that they actually filmed it, but I think it's a really good choice that they they didn't include it in the theatrical cut or the unrated cut. Like, it totally makes sense that, yeah, we wrote it, we filmed it, uh, no one wants to see it. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's a good call. That's a, that's a good call. Yeah, no, I, I, I would, I would say so, but, but yeah, no, they, they definitely reminded me a little bit of demons in the way that uh, his demon transformation was rendered with practical effects. It was really gross. I feel like becoming a demon also grants you an extra knuckle on your finger or something. He's like his hand. I don't know if he just didn't take his glove off his left hand glove. Cause he, you know, he's dissecting before he turns into a demon and cause his, it basically looks like a cheap glove that they put on his hand, but well, whatever I'm down for it. He's got demon hands. Yeah. They totally like give him the fly David Cronenberg treatment. His hair's falling out. His skin is scaling over. His eyes are bugging his out. His hair's like growing in weird ways. Yeah, it's like, like gro- it's like thinning out. It's growing, but also thinning out. And it's, it's. It's pretty great. <laughs> I do miss the practical effects of the 80s. They were yeah. really great. Yeah. And then, as you said, in terms of uh, main character, I would say this movie, again, is like a fairy tale type. The main character, quote unquote, is temptation. You know, this is a very monkey's paw. You know, it doesn't make sense that anyone would like ever New call New York? It. Yeah. <laughs> uh, temptation is a character. Uh, it doesn't make any sense that people would call this 976 line for the advice that they're getting. But basically what they're getting is permission to do the bad thing that they want to do. And then when they give in to that temptation, they cannot back out of it. And the devil makes a home in your heart. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Like, I, he gets rewarded for taking the money, which is t- technically his, right? Not until he's 18, but it's technically his. And then he doesn't go through with stealing the gloves, but then he almost gets run over, but the PI saves him. So it's a cool intro for the PI to get in there. And then, you know, like, he learns his lesson. He he puts away the the thing, you know? He's like, this is bad. With great power comes great responsibility. And then fucking hoax comes along and... <laughs> ruins it for everyone because he's a total creepy sleazeball. Well, he was he was a prime victim for right. uh, satanic possession. Yeah, and the 976 evil guy is almost even like grooming him in a way. Not like grooming him, but he's like luring him in like a fish on a on a fishing rod because he's he does that one thing where he's soft and slow and rhymy and 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 lilting and he lures him in and then like two minutes later when when hoax calls back he's like listen fucker you better get out there and kill those bullies because i'm mad enough of your bullshit get out there and kill them like he he goes super aggressive and he's like at one minute he's like no it's cool people want you to do this and then he's like fuck you asshole get out there and kill we're demons yeah 
I do really like uh, the Robert Picardo, the guy they got for Mark Dark. I thought yeah. that he was perfect for that role. And then just looking at his face, I thought, I've seen this face before. I looked it up. The guy has 231 credits, which just goes to show, oh, man, this is a real jobber. This this guy, just he's in everything. Yeah, he's one of those guys. The moment you see him, you recognize him. You don't know what he's in, so you look him up and, oh, right, he's in everything. <laughs> I feel like to put that into perspective for people, like when I say he has 231 credits, famous actors like Tom Cruise have you know, somewhere in a ballpark of 20 credits or something like that, probably under a hundred in his case, but he doesn't need to make a hundred movies to be Tom Cruise. Yeah. Look at the screen time. I'm sure Tom Cruise has much more screen time. (laughs) Right. Right. But I, I found that to be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess just to wrap up this movie really kind of, Again, I like movies. I think we both agree that we both like movies that go all out. We both probably thought this movie was better than we would have expected. Uh, But it definitely is like some people like Dr. Pepper and some people don't, you know, or some people like it more than others. Like, I love Dr. Pepper, but some people like, yeah, it's fine. It's a soda. Like, no, man, but this is my soda. This is my drink. (laughs) Right, right. Now I'm I'm in the very small camp of people who likes RC Cola, for example. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, you're in the yeah. At least you know it's a small camp. Yeah, no. I'm not I'm not going to pretend otherwise. <laughs> but yeah, the biggest thing for me, the the biggest sweet tooth catnip thing is I I am not vehemently anti-religion. Like I'm not going out of my way to pick fights with people if people say they're religious or whatever. You're not like a belligerent atheist. Right. But that was one of the big selling points of why I kept with Castlevania and loved it. And and I know that you kind of fell off after or during season three. It wasn't the church stuff. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Oh, man. This movie is anti-religious big time because lucy is crazy and i love her because you know when the fish start raining down it's like yeah she thinks it's a sign from god but really it's it's not yeah it's not divine intervention it's demonic intervention and uh, oh it's i love that it's like a sign from the devil like this is not supposed to happen but she's like no god is on my side So I've got to ask the question, who did you have a crush on from this movie? Oh, man. It's, it is a really hard one. It is a really hard one. I I don't know. I honestly don't know. Who's yours? Mark Dark. I, I loved okay. his, his his brief characterization. I, I thought it was really fun. I, I don't know. I enjoyed the whole scene with meeting him in that dingy little office yeah. where there are multiple people with their own phone lines and the sex line operator stares the, directly uh, at the PI. I thought the PI was pretty cute, too, yeah. but I, I felt like he, he was kind of flat. Yeah, it's a very giallo thing. It's a very Italian horror thing. He's he's very much a side character who comes and goes. He's he serves a very functional purpose. Um, but I agree, the character could have been a little more 
all of the characters are characters, but I, I think it's interesting when even the main characters are characters that get put in these weird situations that you don't normally see them in. Um, but I, yeah, I, if my crush would probably just have to be Aunt Lucy, I think. Oh, and those crazy she, wigs, she right? So good, yeah. Um, yeah, what? when Spike stands up to her and she's like, how dare you? Because, like, you hate her, but you also kind of feel bad for her, but you also hate her. So it's like, you want her to get her comeuppance, but she also, like, she she doesn't deserve it, but also she she kind of does. Like, I like that. I like that when I can be like, aw, I hate this person, but yeah, they kind of kind of deserved it (laughs) yeah i think her death was was a fun one too (laughs) so it was uh it was interesting to remix this movie into a rom-com i found it very challenging i loved it i got it right away i got it right away i think i think watching this movie with watching pillow talk helped because both movies are 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 very similar in a in a way of like both movies have a lot have a lot of weird cringy stuff, but they're both so playful with it that it's like, oh, <laughs> it's kind of cute. You're so dated, but you can't help yourself. Yeah. I thought Spike and and uh, Susie had a very cute relationship, you know. In terms of like a horror movie slasher movie where a guy gets possessed by a demon and tries to kill everyone, I thought their the relationship for you know a... until he dumped her to go play cards. Yeah, but he's the bad boy. He it's not his fault. He's got to do it. It's his it's his character flaw. It's his. I'm gonna go eat a bunch of pizza now. That <laughs> <laughs> so makes me angry. <laughs> Um, but I, now I'm really curious if, if you got this right away, I, I'm, I'm all ears. All right. Yeah. So nine, seven, six evil is the name of this movie. My movie is going to be called eight, six, seven F L R T. So eight, six, seven flirt. Uh, and it's not, I don't, uh, I mean, pillow talk is a lot of stuff that I'm not familiar with. Like I honestly had no idea what a party line was. Oh, you didn't know that people used to have to share phone lines. I had no idea, but you couldn't have your own phone. You had to share it. You had to share it. So, I mean, it makes sense. I get it. It didn't take me long to grasp the concept, but it also was like, Whoa, I did not know that. So I get that nine, seven, six is like a one, eight, eight, type number but my number is going to be 867 because 8675309 and yeah so it's flirt so the beginning of the movie is going to open with like Satan and God and like this very demonic kind of you know maybe like a pastor at a church retelling a story but it's like it's it's basically setting up the epic God versus the devil thing and how Satan is recruiting an army for evil and demons will like in take on. Yes, exactly like in Spawn. Um, and so demons will will take on side gigs to like give people what they want in exchange for their souls. But then there's the flip side where angels are also giving people what they want in exchange for their souls. And the thing would be like, 
well, what's the trade-off here? And the trade-off is God needs to also recruit for his army. So God is like, hey, man, I'll take anybody, right? Like, yeah, you want this person to fall in love with you? Sure, she's in love with you now. Now your soul is mine. So it's like a it's like a light and fluffy take on Wait, the Wait, are you saying that God bribes people by finding their soulmates? Exactly, exactly. So again, this is like, this is kind of weird cringy rom-com material where clearly this kind of power could be abused by many many people but it's not it's not abused because uh i'm just gonna call him hoax right hoax is the main guy he's nerdy uh he has a crush on angela who we can just call his next door neighbor and angela pretty much ignores him because he's weird and awkward but he also doesn't initiate conversations with her because he's shy and awkward he doesn't know what to say you know um, and so he tries to go online and he tries to do all these like, you, you know, I don't know if you get this because we probably have different Internet search pattern profiles. But I get a lot of those advertisements on YouTube that are like, hey, guys, you want women to you want women to like you? Here's these five tricks you got to learn. And it's like like the, pickup artists, some of yeah, like these pickup artists. So. I I have on occasion clicked those because I'm like, who falls for this? And the crazy thing is when you click on those things, they're selling you the next course in their pickup. So it's like, you know, like they're, they're teasing you. I've got things to show you, Brett. I've got so many things. I've got so many sites to show you to to check. (laughs) I want to open that puzzle box so bad. I've seen this video of a so-called pickup artist demonstrating how to flirt with women, how to pick up women in public, and somehow they rope in these females to play act this with them. And it's so awful and pathetic. I can't believe any men would give their money to these charlatans because they know nothing. I can totally get why people would click on it, but the fact that they're clicking on an ad that's stretching them out just long enough to sell them more ads, to sell them more ads, it's like, it's really sad that people do fall for it. Like, it really is. So, but we're going to have fun with it. So he tries all these pickup artist things. You know, and it's like a montage. We we do a fun montage of him getting slapped by all these women because he's doing all the things you're not supposed to do. He's not being himself. Uh, so then like an ad falls out of um, a magazine that he's reading and it's 867 Flirt. And so he calls the guy and the guy on the other end of the line is like, what can I help you with? And he's like, hey, I want this lady to like me. And so the guy on the other end of the line is like this old disheveled kind of angel but he's like really old and grumpy and so his idea of selling love is basically to sell pickup lines and and so when hoax kind of hints at him like no i need something more i really want this lady to like me and he's like listen, I don't do that kind of relationship stuff. I just do the one night stand stuff. And Hoax is like, please, I'll do anything. And so this is where where we'll just call him Spike. So Spike is the good guy angel. Spike is like, all right, well, I got a quota to meet. So I'm going to make this lady fall in love with this Hoax guy. And I'll take, 
again, it's it's silly and stupid, but he's going to take Hoax's soul so that Hoax can fight in the army for God so that Hoax can fight against the devil. It's silly. But, okay, so Spike disguises himself in all these different costumes, just like the PI guy disguises himself as, like, the... the, the um, the religious magazine guy. His plan is to get Hoax and Angela together in confined spaces so that they can spend time together and develop their relationship naturally. Yeah. So like they start out, maybe he, he forces them, he forces Hoax to go to the DMV, the pet shelter, the doctor's office. And then we have these things where Hoax doesn't know that Angela or that Angela is going to be there. So he's not thinking, Oh, Hey, I need to get ready to get into flirt mode. He's just thinking, why are we going to the DMV? And, you know, Spike makes up some silly reason, but then the thing becomes whenever Spike and hoax and Angela get in the same room together, when all three of them are together, Angela and and Hoax are getting along really well because he's awkward, but he's charming and he's a nice guy. And Angela sees him as a nice guy. But then the moment Spike leaves to give them some alone time so that they can flirt, you know, better. And also we can have stuff like because he's a love angel, you know, strange women are always coming up to him, hitting on him and stuff like that. And, you know, he's like, oh, you know, this always happens to me. Um. But whenever whenever Hoax starts flirting with Angela one-on-one, something happens that causes Angela to pump the brakes. And Hoax always thinks that it's him. He's very self-conscious. He thinks, oh, it's probably because I said this or it's probably because I did that. And we're going to have cute little gimmicks right at the pet shelter. Maybe she's got like a big German Shepherd St. Bernard dog. And he's got a tiny little Chihuahua or Shih Tzu. And he's like, oh, do you want, you know, he does like the manly thing of like, oh, do you want me to take the bigger dog's leash because I'm the man. And she's like, no, I can handle this dog. I'm here all the time. You better worry though. Cause that dog is a real scrappy do. And then it turns out like the little dog is feisty and pulls him along. And it's, you know, harder to harder to wrangle up the little dog than the big dog. So we just have silly little light, fluffy rom-com gimmicks like that. Uh, but then we go to a bar where Angela is bartending and we see all these gross guys hitting on her and she's like hitting back on them. And it's like, Oh, she likes the bad boys. Right. No. At the end of the night, Spike feels defeated, but Angela sees him as feeling defeated and Angela feels really bad. So they agree to go to like a hockey game or something. And then at the hockey game, they're on the kiss cam and we have a cute little bit of like kiss cam, hijinks with stuff like that did they kiss well so i was gonna say this is like a full-on scene kind of but i was gonna say the kiss cam goes on hoax and angela but they don't kiss because like they're both kind of too shy because they both really like each other so it's weird if you make two people kiss for the first time in front of thousands of people so then the camera on the kiss cam pans over to two really old people and and then the the old lady is like, oh, she's like prudish. And she's like, we can't kiss in front of all these people. But it's Wouldn't like it be an- hilarious that they really started going at it. Well, no. So then it's like cute and fluffy and like, you know, she doesn't do it in a mean way. But she's like, oh, I don't want to kiss in front of all these people. So then the kiss cam pans over and it pairs up Angela with the old guy. And then Angela kisses him on the cheek and he kisses her on the cheek. And it's like cute and funny. And then 
as the camera, as the kiss cam goes to more people, you know, uh, hopes and Angela have a nice little scene together where they actually kind of are like awkward, but flirty and clearly meant to be together, but they're both so awkward about it. And then they do end up kissing. And as they kiss, the crowd goes wild. And then we go back to kiss cam and it's like the older angel spike guy with all the cheerleaders around him. Right. Cause he's such a ladies man. And then like all the cheerleaders are like, getting him to dance and the crowd goes wild because old man, old, old cute man dancing with cheerleaders, but also the crowd goes wild because Angela and hopes are kissing, even though it's not on the kiss cam. And then after the kiss, Angela basically at the end of the night dumps him big time. She totally breaks his heart. It's totally cold. It's totally. Why? She breaks up with him. She leaves him. Spike is totally defeated. Or Hoax is totally defeated. Maybe Spike's like, come on, I'll buy you a drink or something. Or they go out for an ice cream or something silly. So then we follow Angela back home instead of Hoax back home. And it turns out Angela is a demon. And she is like, she is like Spike where she has a quota to make. And anytime she sleeps with someone... Because, you know, she's a demon. She damns their soul to hell? She's a succubus. So when she's a demon and she sleeps with someone, they are now eternally damned to hell. So she can't sleep with this guy because she likes him. No! What a predicament. So then, you know, there's like a, a, a scene where they do end up getting back together. She like, maybe, you know, cause they're neighbors, maybe they meet up in the hallway or elevator or something. And it's really weird. And Spike is kind of like, you know, he's not mean to her, but he's kind of like, I'm really disappointed because I just don't know what to do. And I feel so rejected and she feels so bad for him. And then they do end up sleeping together. So <gasps> then Wait, her but what boss, if his dick can save her, hear her because yeah, right? he- <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then, so her boss is like, okay, it's quota time. I'm coming to collect his soul. And she's like, no, not him, not him. So they run to Spike and Spike is like, holy shit, you're a demon. And the boss is coming here to get Hoax's soul. Oh no. So they devise a kind of Scooby-Doo like plan where the demon gets poo-pooed on and, <laughs> Uh, again, like I thought the poo pooed on version in 976 Evil with some of the kills and one liners was very leap year, it was very much <laughs> the horror version of leap year. So the demon gets poo pooed on, and then the, the, the lady doesn't have to answer to her boss demon anymore. So Angela and Hopes are happily ever after, and Spike gets a funny little scene at the end where maybe he. I don't know. He's helping people with real relationships instead of just getting laid. Ooh. Oh, yeah. that's cute. <laughs> so, yeah. It just, it's a, it's one of those light and fluffy rom-coms. I like light and fluffy. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's all in on the ridiculous premise of calling a 1-800 number type line for love advice. Yeah, and no, I, I I had a similar premise, but it 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 comes in the fact that we based our remixes off a movie where that is the premise, right? So yeah, I'm curious. Uh, how did you 
did, did you uh I, I don't know the the pun to make but i was gonna say did you end up phoning this one in <laughs> parts parts of it parts of it are definitely phoned in but uh i i had a similar idea to you that i i wanted this uh this phone line to have a supernatural bent right uh and so there there will be some uh fantastical figures in here but Maybe not the ones that you expect. There's no holy war between heaven and hell. Um, but uh, I decided to call this one 976 Eros. Mm. Or I just thought I could have called it 976 Love. Um, but that's just too... Oh, that would have been too simple, I guess. I had I had 976 Love as my first one <laughs> before I went with 867 Flirt. Yeah, I mean, there, there's only so many variations right. you can come yeah. up with. So Spike and Hoax are teenage cousins living under the roof of Hoax's crazy religious mom. Spike's the bad boy. Hoax is, be he's a total nerd. One day, Spike finds a piece of paper with a novelty phone line written on it for 976 arrows. He calls the number and a voice gives him his love forecast. And it says, your love does not stoke her because you'd rather be with the boy who plays poker. Uh, and Spike hangs up and he throws the paper on the ground and he basically says, bullshit. Uh, but it's not long before he's on his bike, headed to the movie theater to have poker time with the boys. And he looks suggestively at Marcus, the other guy in the poker room. Uh, meanwhile, Hoax goes into Spike's room. He finds the number. He dials it. His lore, his love forecast. She's not Spike's floozy. That's your Susie. But Hoax, he's freaked out because Spike is his Spike is his cousin. They're as close as brothers. Why would he get with Spike's girl? Hmm, that's a good point. So the next day, Hoax sees them together, and she's nice to Hoax, but Hoax is still shy. She reminds Spike that they've got plans later. Meanwhile, we've got the PI who's investigating the 976 Arrows phone line due to its tie to a high-profile divorce case that he's working on. Uh, because that's what PIs really do at the end of the day, is gather dirt about cheating spouses. Uh, so he gets to the business address for the phone line. He walks past a bunch of random novelty phone line operators to the 976 Arrow's door. There he meets an old man who calls himself Mr. Saro. Saro claims that he turned the phone line off years ago and he shows the PI the dusty little room with the tape recorder. Uh, and then Marty walks away from the building. A phone booth rings. He picks it up and a voice says, go to the high school. If you aren't a fool, meet the woman of your dreams. Uh, so he goes to the high school. He finds Angela, the guidance counselor, and he explains that he's investigating this novelty phone number and he suspects that there are students that are using it. Uh, and at first she's like, oh, you're crazy, you're kooky. But she has noticed some odd behavior in the town. So they decide to investigate together. And maybe there can be like a little plot line where it's like, he thinks that maybe she was the person that the phone was talking about, but he's a skeptic. So mm -hmm. he doesn't, you know, throw it out there, but they're super attracted to each other. 
And then that night, Spike and Susie go on a date and he takes her to the movies, but then immediately ditches her to go play poker with Marcus. Uh, and then Hoax at home calls the number again and he gets a new message. See with your own eyes. Go to the theater for your prize. And then he goes to the theater just as Susie is storming off and he offers, you know, to get her pizza. So meanwhile, Marcus and Spike go up to the roof and they have a heart to heart. And maybe it it starts to become clear that they're super into each other because it's like, why even bother with Susie when literally all Spike wants to do is go play poker with the boys? Like, I'm. I'm convinced there's something more to this, and you could I'm, have you could have some flirting between them going on, right? Because that's clearly where this oh, is yeah, going. Oh yeah, like but like when hearts, he, yeah, heart where they're cards and hearts and talking about hearts and oh yeah, heart to heart. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, but so there can be tons of little puns. Maybe their hands touch when they're dealing or something. Uh, and then, so by the middle act, we've got our three couples established. We've got Marcus and Spike, Hoax and Susie, and Marty and Angela. Uh, of course, Marty and Angela continue their investigation. And then Angela mm-hmm. <laughs> has Angela has the whole Neil Bog is goblin backwards moment by saying, Mr. Sarrow, that's just arrows <laughs> mixed around. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yep. so, so she gets she gets her Neil Bog moment, uh, and so they they go back to Sarah's office, and then they find a binder with a bunch of profiles on local couples in the town. They also find Sarah's home address. So by the climax moment of the movie, you've got Angela and Marty confronting Sarah at the same time that maybe we have a farcical scene where Marcus and Spike are hooking up in the same restroom where Hoax and Susie are hooking up and they tumble out of the stalls at the same time. And it's like, Oh, what the, you're with him. You're with him. You're with her. You, you know, yeah. like a whole, a whole midsummer night's dream farcical moment. Uh, and then Sarah reveals himself to be the god of love himself, Cupid, and that he created the phone line to acquire worshippers in a modern time that has forgotten that he exists. Aww. So very American gods. Yeah. Uh, and Angela and Marty tell him that he needs to stop. But Sarah says it's too late. And then he basically expands his little angel wings and flies off because he's off to the next town to cause love chaos. Uh, And Angela and Marty then confront the two couples and basically say, you guys are together because of the meddling of this love God. Uh, And then it's up to the teenagers to decide, do they want to have a choice or do they want the fate prescribed to them by a psychotic immoral being? And they decide to stay with their new partners and live happily ever after. Yeah, of course. Who cares how you get together as long as you're happy in the end, right? Are you sure if you found out that your relationship was the result of a psychotic immortal with a need for more supplicants you wouldn't be a little bit thrown off? 
No, no, not at all. I mean, it can't be as bad as gaslighting someone and pretending to be a whole other person, right? <laughs> that that is uh, that is definitely true. So, as we wrap this episode up, since we will be splitting this, and you will get to find out what we think about Pillow Talk in the next installment, should we tell the people how they can reach us? Yes, uh, we are on Facebook and Twitter at NecromancerPod. We are on Instagram as the Necromancer Podcast. You can always email us at necromancerpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, send in any questions, comments, concerns, love advice, uh, <laughs> anything that Story can... Story advice. Yes, clearly <laughs> I I need it because... <laughs> no, no, I said that for me. <laughs> that oh. was not a comment on you at all. Uh, thoughts on No, I, I need the relationship advice. Uh, no, Sonia and I have a very good relationship. Um, and even though I don't like talking to her on the phone. No. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, just hit us up. Uh, be sure to like, share, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. And that way you can keep tunes with more reviews, more remixes, and more love bites. Yes. What love bite do you got for us? Oh, I've got the number one most watched original Netflix movie on Netflix, Extraction, starring Chris Hemsworth, directed by Ooh. Chris Evans's Captain America stunt double. Um, yeah, Extraction is pretty badass. It's uh, so it's like a heart heart stopping action flick. Yeah, guys, got to go into a really shitty war torn type drug lord overrun country, and he's got a take out the kid like take him out of the country he's got to rescue the kid and everyone wants the kid dead so everyone's trying to kill the kid he's got to save the kid it's not it's not um the grumpy hero that we like so much but it's a different variation on the competent well he's extremely competent he is a fucking total navy seal hoorah marine badass like he is a machine i said at the beginning of the movie he's a machine because he just gets shot a few times and, you know, it just shows how big and bad he is because he gets shot and he's like still kicking ass. And I was like, oh man, Sonya, he is a machine. And Sonya was like, really? I was like, well, not like literally a Terminator. I'm just being Chris Hemsworth is a fucking machine. Um, But it's really good. It's really good if you like that kind of thing. He's not a grumpy hero, but he is a death wish hero who finds something to fight for. And it's it's very formulaic, but... Oh man, does it like the action is legit really good and Chris Hemsworth is a total badass in it. So yeah, if that's your if that's your thing, definitely I mean it's the number one watched movie on Netflix. So you've probably already seen it if you're listening to this and it sounds like your kind of movie. I've not seen it, but it sounds like something that Doug would probably enjoy watching with me. Yeah. It um it's a fun movie. Sonya had a good time with it. Um, yeah. Oh, and then I did just want to say uh, about nine seven six evil. I thought that one scene where the where where the PI comes into the room and he's hearing uh, hoax on the other end of the line and he's like, "Everyone, I understand." 
oh, that was such a great scene. I just love that. <laughs> yeah, I, I did like that too. And then he tried to grab the tape and it shocked him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how about your love bite? What do you got for us? So a while back, uh, you'd said, uh, oh, I don't want to recommend another video game. And I said, no, recommend that video game because I am going to recommend a video game myself later. And whoo, let me tell you, I am 65 hours into Fire Emblem Three Houses. And this is one of my favorite games that I've ever played. And if you are a fan of uh, JRPGs like Final Fantasy and you're a romance fan, get the two firehouse three houses or fire emblem three houses because it gives you everything. So not only do you have your classic turn-based strategy RPG with a very complex story of, you know, great emotional heights. In addition to that, there is a support system where you can create romances between your teammates as well as choose to have what uh, Brett called a kissy romance uh, in our messages back and forth with one of the characters yourself. So I, I just, it's a lot of fun. And so it has some of those elements of just a classic RPG, but it also reminds me of this game that I was obsessed with when I was a kid. And I would be surprised if you'd played this game, Brett, but there is a game called Princess Maker. Oh, where- yeah. Princess Maker. How do you remember Princess? No. How was Princess Maker on your radar? <laughs> oh, you're messing with me. How dare you? How dare I was playing you? Ex- Mega Man. And guess what? I'm still playing Mega Man. <laughs> how dare you exploit my, my gullibility? Uh, but in Princess Maker, you had to raise a girl to adulthood. And one of the endings she could receive was that she would become a princess, but there were other ways that she could go as well, just depending on how you raised her. And Fire Emblem is like raising 10 princesses at the same time, and it's very exciting. So I would highly, highly recommend it to fans of RPGs and romance alike. So do you have a main character that is like... Yes, you have you have a like most RPGs, you have a silent main character oh, okay. and you can choose whether or not you want to make that character male or female. So obviously I made the main character female for myself for my first playthrough and then you can actually decide whether or not you want to romance a character of the same or opposite Ooh. sex. So when you play a game like this and you have options specifically romance options are you playing it are you approaching it from the way that shira would approach it or are you trying to weave a narrative where oh in in this playthrough my character would do it this way you know what i mean i think a little bit of both i think that for my character well, actually, no, I I don't, because the character that I ultimately chose to pursue a romance with is not someone I would be attracted to <laughs> in real life because they have all the red flags. Um, but 
um, yeah, I thought for the purpose of the story that this is what felt right. And then definitely when it comes to the romantic relationships between the other characters that I sort of manage, that's definitely me as an author saying, oh, these two should be together. Right. Yeah. No, that's pretty cool that it's crazy how far video games have come because I played Harvest Moon when I was a kid and there were like, you know, four romantic options in there. And basically you would just... Oh yeah, now there's like dozens, Yeah, right? and it's all a complicated web and yeah, it's crazy, but... Yeah, I haven't even cracked Stardew Valley or some oh. of the other farming sims that are yeah. similar to Harvest Moon. It's funny that you play a lady. I'm team gender swap. Whenever I have a, a choice between guy or gale in a video game, I always go with the gale. Well... I would emphasize that this is my first playthrough and there are four potential routes that the game can take. So in order to see, you know, all stories, all endings, you'd have to do multiple playthroughs. So I invest another 65 hours. No, they have RPGs have this thing called new game plus where (laughs) now any, any time you play an RPG where there's multiple endings like a chrono trigger, I think you, you said you never really played that, but that's one of my favorite RPGs of all time. Um, Once you beat the game, once you start off with a new game plus, so you can, you know, move your character along much faster than you did the initial playthrough. Uh, And and yeah, I think on the second playthrough, I'll I'll play as the male version. Right. I but you. I don't know if I want to be gay or if I want him to, to romance a girl. I haven't decided yet. Shira, I don't think it's a choice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well then, on that note, we'll sign off here for now. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Necromancer is produced by Brett Dorman and Shira Moore. The theme song is Symphonia 3 by Kevin McLeod on the album Oddities.